Hello and welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, where we connect industry leaders to discuss experiences, challenges and successes in the gaming industry. I'm Adam, your host for today, and I'm joined with Anna-Laura Gould, Betsy Aikonen, Philip Martin and Ted Sutton to discuss the benefits of filmmakers in the gaming industry. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Now, before we jump into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions of who you are and what you do. So, uh, Ted, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, my name's uh, Ted Sutton, and I've been working uh, in the games industry only for about, uh, I guess, the last five years now. Uh, and prior to that, uh, I've basically, since I was a teenager, been working in the audio production industry, uh, predominantly um, uh, uh, in, in commercial world and animation world, uh, but dealing with actors and, and voice actors, uh, predominantly in a, a casting capacity for many years and a voice direction capacity for many years. Back home in Canada. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Anna? Hi, my name is Anna Lohr. Uh Most of my uh, most of my um, uh, work experience has been from movies, uh, but since 2020, the pandemic hit and uh, the movie industry kind of closed down. So we tried a new adventure, which is gaming. I'm currently on Subway Service, where our main goal is to how do we take the game to the next level when we have so many uh, dependencies, but also we we pride ourselves that we can work on either the, the, the oldest dumb phone, but how do we keep uh, creativity up and how do we uh, still create a killer smash awesome game? So that's mostly what uh, what I do. Awesome. Uh, Petri? Yes. Hi, I'm Petri. I'm game lead uh, at Next Games and Next, Next Games is a Netflix game studio. So I started my career in in early 90s as an actor and director and and everything basically on stage theater and then quite quickly from stage I also moved to work on television especially I was writing some kids TV drama also acted in, in a couple of those uh, and that 90s mostly i was on stage or in in those black rooms rehearsing theater also did some teaching but i ended up uh, writing a storyline for a soap opera so late 90s 99 the first daily serial started in finland actually the show is still running and it's it's produced by Fremantle Media so a couple of years I was there as a storyliner and learned that craft as a scriptwriter and it was pretty interesting so three seasons and, and I had credits or I have now credits for 650 episodes of daily daily serial or some would call it soap opera but 2003 I was 
already little felt that it has it has kind of squeezed all the creativity out of me. And at the same time, Nokia was a big thing in Finland, and we had startups working on anything, mobile games. So I pivoted my career to games. I became game designer. And then since that, so basically this year, 20 years in games, first nine years at Digital Chocolate, then 10 years at EA, uh, mostly working on SimCity, build it, and, and now last autumn I started a new position now at next game. So that's my story in a nutshell. Thank you very much for that. And finally, but not least, uh, Philip. That is uh, that is quite the nutshell. <laughs> uh, I have actually a similar um, uh, a starting point. I started way back in school. Uh, we started making sketches instead of actual doing some schoolwork. Uh, and that was successful enough to the point where we started selling VHS tapes. This is before YouTube and and uh, even DVDs. We made um, a staggering amount of money for being that young. And then we decided to start a, um, me and my childhood friends, we started a, a production company where we did theater and radio shows. And we released a few singles. Um, then I went on to become an actor. And I was an actor here in Sweden for about uh, 12 years, 14 years, uh, give or take. And that's actually how I ended up in the in the game industry because I was cast to do mocap for the first title, a paid title. Uh, it was called A Way Out. And, and I think I did all of the NPC characters. <laughs> that's the 300 something characters. Um, and then I was invited on to become um, QA. So I was a game tester for quite a while and then pivoted into cinematics, which is where I still am at the moment. Uh, I had a quick excursion over uh, to uh, Hangar 13 uh, for a year and a half and then decided to come back home because home is where the heart is, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's my nutshell, I guess. Thank you very much for that. I, lo I love the uh, different ranges of backgrounds we've all got here. Uh, but as always, you've each brought a question uh, relevant for discussion around the benefits of filmmakers or actors uh, and TV people in the gaming industry. So we'll work our way around the room with each of you to pose your question and your reasoning behind it. Uh, and each of you will have an opportunity to give your take on the situation. So uh, let's start with uh, Ted. What's your question? What do you mean by that? Well, I, I sort of, you know, I wanted to know sort of more specifically about you know, to, to sort of see people coming from a different background as opposed to sort of starting in the gaming industry. Um, what was basically, what was an important lesson you learned from a game maker about the difference between creating your, uh, creating games and creating films and or, you know, productions in, in other media? Um, yeah, again, I wanted to know sort of what one of those things was. Um, yeah, and then, and why it was important to you. Oh, so who wants to jump in first on that one? <laughs> I can dive in. <laughs> yeah, go on, Philip. <laughs> I think one of those lessons were that medium is secondary to story, right? Where, like, it doesn't really matter what medium you decide to, to kind of explore a story in, as long as the story is solid. If you have a solid script, you can make it a, a theater show, a, a radio production type thing, a film, a, a 
daily soap opera situation, right? It's a good story is very flexible. Um, and so it, it should take its precedent over presentation. It's very nice. What what are your thoughts on um, sort of uh, stories that encompass, you know, games, books, TV, almost all the mediums? I mean, I, I guess it's, you know, sometimes you have situations where you force adaptations and you sh- like Mortal Kombat. No, don't make that film. It's not a film, right? It's an IP, sure. But it's not a, there's, there's no story there, right? So you have those situations. But you also have situations where, you know, um, Uncharted, the movie, was acceptable, you know? So we're just trying to be nice. At Last of Us series that just came out, um, I'm actually positively surprised and, and I really do enjoy it. I've seen the two first episodes uh, has released uh, to date. Um, but there are other examples of successful adaptations where story is central to the product in the first place, right? Absolutely. I'm glad you have no spoilers. I'm holding off at the moment until they're all released. <laughs> but um, Anna, have you got any thoughts on this on the first question? Oh, it's such a hard one, right? Also because uh, I totally agree with the stories, but that also ties into the next question as well. Because what what I really uh, learned a lot from, from uh, gaming was that it's kind of the same where you have blind spots, right? You have processes where we have blind spots. And that's definitely something that I have uh, I have been trying to navigate and trying to, to learn from as well, is that I can't bring the exact same knowledge that I have from, from uh, filmmaking into game making because there's just so much more intricate and, and it's a spider web and it's incredible. Uh, uh, exciting to be part of as well but it's definitely about all the the blind spots but also learning to push content that is okay you know i had to there was really something that i had to get my 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 boss he had to shake into me and and make sure that i that i really got that it's okay sometimes not to be 100% okay with what you put out especially when you have a live game as we have we have to push content every three weeks so you have to learn to go okay this is okay it's not perfect but it's okay and i did everything that i could it's going to fly now so that's my two cents oh they're like a true storyteller <laughs> uh petri what are your thoughts yeah so i'm not sure am i really answering particularly this 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 question but if i think difference between games and and more linear visual audiovisual storytelling like movies and tv so when i entered the games industry i think i was quite naive because i came as a kind of i entered as a script writer and i thought that this industry needs script writers and yes they a mobile game startup they hires me as the script writer but very quickly I realized that, heck, they actually, what they need is a game designer. And and I had to really quickly that learn that what is game design. And, and very kind of also I realized that this is not about natural language. It's not about me writing something. It's not about linear language of games. I believe it's, it's most probably interaction. It's not English or Finnish. 
So I have to learn this new language called interaction and, and how does that work and how do you, and it's not more writing a script, it's now a designing a game, designing content. So it was a big uh, shock for me and, and, and well, I had to kind of bite the bullet and, and, and solve that and, and learn the new craft. Then if I compare these uh, medias or medium, I, I think we have played so many games where narrative or story sucks. And that's totally okay. The game can, can be so much fun and no one cares a shit that the, the story is the most horrible, most cliche. The characters are totally... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And that was also a big learning that Heck, a good storyteller, yes, it can be valued in the games industry, but even the kind of the game design is actually uh, much better. And, and, and don't take me wrong, I'm advocate for good, uh, proper storytelling, and, and I really want that game industry should do better. I do ag agree that in, in some, some productions there are Quite nice storytelling, but there are so much so lousy and lazy storytelling. But that's that's interesting. And bad storytelling in movies or TV would be would be a catastrophe. We know it. And then if I think the production side, making game versus making a TV production, of course my memory is now. It's it was over twenty years ago when I was in that industry. But what I remember, it was much more organized, very clear roles, who is allowed to do what. And if you are not this person, you are not allowed to do that because it, it belongs to it. And now if I compare to games industry, this is chaos. We roles, everything, it, it kind of ever changing and the production systems are changing and and so different. Anna, I think you put, yeah, I wanted to jump in there. Oh yeah, I, I I totally agree with you, Petri. And and what also was one of the things that that I really realized as well is that storytelling in games is so much different because when you come from when you come from movie, storytelling is tested and true and we, we know the rhythm and we know what to do. We have had a massive industry with a hundred years of telling a thousand years of storytelling, right? Going back. But then when you come into games and what really surprised me that a storytelling is also in the gameplay, in the in-game play. And that was completely different for me. And it was such a mind switch that I had to do. And I'm still still testing and learning and I can put my, uh, my, my creative side from, from telling stories in movies into that gameplay, but how does it react? And what about the philosophy of the game? Does it fit here as well? So it's definitely so much more than just storytelling because every time we want to tell a story, it plays into every single part of the game that doesn't make it linear. All of a sudden it's scattered everywhere, in my opinion. <laughs> well, yeah, um, yeah, I think that's, I, I can't agree more with, with both of your sentiments, because if I do, uh, I might break my legs. But I think one thing that I kind of want to echo and bring back and circle back to is the, the way we approach making games. In my experience, it, it is that chaotic 
mess of a of a ant hill <laughs> that you described, Petri. But I'm I'm very I'm very keen on trying to adopt a more movie maker type approach to making games. Um, I haven't yet been fortunate enough to to test this theory out more properly, but I did make um, a, a like a smaller demo situation with a group of 30 developers. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to really hammer down is we had a really solid script. It was a very short experience. It was a 30 minute experience. It was a proof of concept situation, but we hammered on that script until it was watertight. And then what, and I just kind of let loose after that. There was no, it was like, I, I defined a box and I said, this is, this is where we want to go. Uh, but the question then became, how do we make this interactive? What part of this can be um, experienced interactively? Uh, and for those parts that we found, like, yes, we can make this and we can make that, that then ended up at the design side. Like, okay, fun. You guys go ahead and, and, and prototype some stuff up and, and we'll play that stuff. But what's really core to that whole approach is story is informing mechanic. You know, all the gameplay mechanics that we had in that proof of concept was informed by something in that story, in that script. It was even broken down beat by beat. So we had just sentences describing situations that also described how you would approach um, interacting with, with the thing, right? And at the end of that whole process, we had a, a survey going out because I was really curious. I really enjoyed it. I loved it because we had a wall of truth that we could always bounce all the ideas or decisions off of that script. Um, and so I really loved it. But I wanted to know, like, senior game developers, like, how do they react to getting this kind of roadmap where stuff is decided for them already? Um, and they would uh, scale different categories of experiences from one to five. And the overall average that came back was a 4.8 and that just blew my mind like if every if people enjoy working this way then why don't we just kind of draw from those thousand years of experience telling stories hundred years from the movie industry and integrate some of that you know we can cherry pick right and in and, and kind of force that into the uh, game developing space whoever does that first maybe netflix i don't know <laughs> sounds like a netflix thing to do doesn't it <laughs> Uh, just before we jump on the uh, next question, uh, Ted, I just wanted to get your thoughts on everyone's uh, answers there. Well, I, I I thought they were all great, and and you know I I think just to sort of again echo what Dan, Laura, and, and Philip sort of said, um, and to sort of answer my own question as well, you know, one of one of those important lessons that I learned was basically, um, gameplay needs to be integrated and and into the story and into into everything and it's actually in a way and, and not to take anything away from the story but it's actually the reason why people buy that game right they want movie they would go and and watch a movie so um so i think that's the thing is in and this is sort of the challenge is is integrating gameplay and 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 i think that's something that um, that was said to me very early on and continues to sort of, um, remind me that whatever we do, just don't forget that people are here to, to play a game, not just sort of watch amazing cinematics. So again, it's that challenge, as you guys mentioned, how do we integrate that, 
uh, into the the great story that we've already established. Absolutely, and I, I'm a strong believer in the single player games making a true comeback in the future after the age of the battle pass. <laughs> um, but uh, but Anna, uh, I think you've got you the next question. I know you touched upon it a little bit. I was saying it's yes. okay over perfect, so I'll uh, hand that to you to ask it. Yes, so I'm sorry, we already talked a bit about it, but how do you handling holding up the quality on the reduced amount of time? Because what is definitely sure, it, it also depends on what game you are in, uh, of course, but when, when I worked in movies, I could have maybe months on a shot, right? That just needed to be absolutely perfect, right? As soon as I moved into games, I have reduced pixels, I have reduced the uh, rig, I have reduced everything. Uh, it's just reduced. I also have reduced time. So how how do you how do you combat that in your field, and how do you keep it interesting as well? Petri, Petri, I jump first on this one. <laughs> Petri, go for it, because I'm going to be a okay. slight contrarian yeah not, not entirely contrarian but yeah just from my my perspective it's different yeah yeah oh i'm i'm happy to happy to start so simple first thing i would do is scope down so do less kind of pick the pick your battle so less features means of course then more, more time and bandwidth to focus on those and and i guess with all game design and game production it's a it's kind of that we have so much ideas and so little time and resources so we have to focus we have to understand that what is the product what is essential and then kind of that okay let's not try to do everything let's focus on do but do that with uh, good quality that would be the first thing uh of course we need realistic schedules and especially what happens or what i have seen many times is that yes we have a schedule that you barely implement something and, and then it should be done, done. But that's not true. After that, you should have time for testing and configuration and iteration and perhaps playing with the content and then even for policing and even for proper UA. And that's easily what you forget that you make a very tight schedule. Yes, we can barely implement it, but most probably the quality will be very bad if you schedule like that. Yeah, that's my experience too. <laughs> but I think establishing a new baseline um, is is key, at least in my from my perspective. What I try to ask is, yeah, it's not. I'm not looking for perfect. I'm looking for is it doing the thing I needed to do? Like, is it is it functional? Is it telling me the 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 part of the story that I'm trying to convey, or is it is on the on the very kind of baseline of it i i can i accept that it's not the presentation of it isn't stellar but is it doing the thing that's the most important thing and then prioritize we have so many labels like uh you know a lot of people use must-haves nice-to-haves uh would be cool if could potentially squeeze in to have like there's always wishing for perfection and so establishing is it doing what i needed to do as early as possible is very fruitful, at least for me. Ted, what's the uh, contrarian view then? Well, it's, it's not so much a contrarian view, but it's I guess from my perspective, working in audio, we're always at the at the at the very end of everything. So, it, it, 
prior experience, you know, we were always under the gun. It was always, you know, you, you were you were left to the last minute. It's like, oh crap, we forgot we needed a voice. Oh, are we been talking about this for for six months? All right, we didn't actually cast that narrator. Um, so it was always it always felt like you're under the gun. And now I actually find it quite leisurely where it's like, oh, we've got X amount of time. I'm sure it's the closer we get to, to certain milestones and everything, the pressure will be increased. But um, but right now it's just, yeah, it's it's kind of a more leisurely pace, for me, which is nice. Actually, I kind of like it. We're still at the back end and people still have a tendency to forget about us. But uh, <laughs> we still we at least have a little bit more time to react generally. So sounds like a good life in audio. <laughs> Anna, what are your thoughts on the, the answers there? Well, it's 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 the same thoughts that I've been having, right? You 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 need to prioritize, right? You need to figure out what what is your number one goal, and and definitely that that's what I also had to do when I stepped into this company with the with normal having amazing characters and the beautiful rig and I could have dynamics on, I could do everything right. And all of a sudden I couldn't, I couldn't even have fingers. Uh, so the whole thing about setting a standard and then try to work your way around that, but also make sure that your workflow and your process fits that as well. Make time, make sure, okay, what is, what is it, your number one goal? And that is in our end, it was to push. The quality but also create good stories okay well number one create good stories so we make sure that we, we we set enough time for that in in the schedule but it's a constant battle isn't it we want to do more we want to be proud of our work right we want to be able to be proud and say i did this and i want my 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 animators to also say i did this that was so cool look how cool it is right and sometimes we just don't hit that mark, but it's okay. We, we need to be able to say it's okay. We, 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 we are moving forward and that's the most important thing. Absolutely. And I love the answers there for, for this question. So I guess with uh, Petri, your question is almost the opposite to, uh, to Ted's question. Uh, so do you want to tell us what it is? Yeah, sure. Yes, I was thinking that it's kind of a continuation to Ted's question. So. I was writing that what the games industry have to learn from the movie TV productions or even should learn. And I'm very curious to hear your observations on this one. Well, I feel like I already cheated and started with answering that with, with, uh, uh solidifying a very good, uh, a tight script. Um, I, I want to say like order, but I also realized, so like in, in, in film, you start with two or three people in a room, right? In a writer's room and maybe five bigger writer's room. Sure. But that's the, the extent of the team pre-production, right? Um, there's no worry about talent retention at that point because everyone is freelancing pretty much most of them, right? except maybe some of the higher ups in the production side might be like, you know, full-time on, on a production company or whatever. The challenge in the gaming industry, because we have full-time employees. We can't really ramp all the way down unless you start overlapping and you have dual productions. Uh, so you go pre-production at the same time you're finishing this other production, but then you have to expand your narrative department to kind of support that 
it's a, it's a balance, right? It's really, really difficult. But I, what I say when I mean order is in what order, order of operation, maybe, right? That's something I'd love to see us carrying over from the film industry. How to, you know, figure out how practically to maintain that and, and have it be a healthy workspace. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I wish I knew that because, oh, would we implement that? <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, that's one of the things that I, um, uh, I don't know how to work that out, but I'd love to try. At some point, yes, we'll go to uh, to Ted next with a TV experience. Well, I think you know you guys have sort of touched on it already, and and Petri, like talking about scope, um, like I think it's very easy for the scope just to grow, and and all the things that you can potentially do, or or you know, all these people have these great ideas, and it's so easy for things just to snowball out of control. So, I, I do think. You know there are limitations in tv and and film right you know just the media themselves are sort of you know you're you're living in a bit of a box right um so i think something is that we could learn or or the games industry needs to sort of be reminded like again talking about nice to haves must haves and prioritize those things as you say philip because sometimes it can just get too big and you can sort of bite off more than you can actually chew and on any particular project it's like write those ideas down keep those things around because maybe you have time to sort of develop and work those things out for the next one but right now you got to sort of work within this otherwise this thing ain't going to ship or it's going to ship far later and for far more money than it actually could and should potentially yeah, but don't you also think that one of the things that it speaks to that as well is that we try to do everything at the same time and that's why it gets bloated sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Design and execute and, and test and like everything is happening simultaneously, um, which I think feeds into having a really hard time to maintain scope. Really, really difficult. Making sure that everyone's in line when and it's like 85 to 100 people working on the same thing, right? And they all have different ideas and have different interpretations of what this is. So it's hard to sort of get, as you say, get everyone aligned and sort of say, this is the particular direction that we're we're heading. Uh, where again, I, you don't generally have that or not to the the same extent working in film or TV. But I think vision vision wise, that's that is set in pre-production in a way or solidified to a larger extent in my in my experience when it comes to film or TV way earlier it's not like this exercise of exploration there's some of that for sure right you, you usually say that uh you you make a movie three times right you, you write it and then you shoot it and then there's post-production and you edit it and, and hopefully like if you did your stuff right it's roughly the same movie right but it doesn't always end up that way right yeah it could be something way different but it's fairly well contained Right. And it, I'm not, sh I don't feel like it is in the game industry because everything is malleable for so long. I definitely feel like it's uh, one of the things that, uh, that I learned a lot that, that I feel that, uh, gaming could, could learn a bit, uh, not what it was, uh, it was the other way around, wasn't it? Sorry. No, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, it was that I feel like it's it's going too fast. It's moving too fast in in a sense of that, uh, 
I think we would get a much better product if we, if we didn't have the mindset of, we need to get up with content all the time, right? It's content, it's content, it's content. We need to move fast. We need to move fast, right? We have some uh, investors that need to get out, right? And the, the viewer, the viewer, right? We constantly have to think about that. And I think that some of the things that, that we could learn a lot of is to take a step back, actually see, does it make sense? Is the red thread still there? Did we lose it? Because I do feel like gaming is losing it. And especially when games comes out with the, you know, uh, the second version or the third version, right? It, that story is gone, right? Uh, the, the setup is something completely different than we started with. So I, I start to play the first game and then I play and then I want to start the, the third game, right? It's something completely different. So in that sense, we could, uh, we could definitely learn to take a step back look at get a, a better overview and not work so so goddamn fast <laughs> as we have to do is 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 that how i mean i'm i'm just sort of curious because uh you know talking about sort of daily serials you know i wonder if that's sort of you know producing content that quickly if it's sort of like that where those things just seem to constantly be evolving and it's just like yeah get that story out get that story out don't worry about what we did six months ago because yeah yeah totally Sorry, Laura. I don't know. Sorry. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would also, since I have multiple years worked on a live service in, in free-to-play mobile, I feel that it's very similar rhythm than in, in daily serial drama, so that there is always audience or players wanting more content and, and you can't rest. Thank you so much for these observations. I, I totally agree. And a couple of things that uh, perhaps as Anna-Laura described, this is fast industry and technology is changing. Business models are changing. Everything is changing. And if if I compare to history of movies or television, it's so much slow based how the kind of the whole art form is evolving. And we are a little bit playing catch up all the time and and when we have a game ready it feels already old uh, something that i have been also thinking is that gaming in gaming is so competitive there are so many games and and uh, kind of uh fighting for our players i'm not sure how does it feel at the moment in the in the television or movie industry it might be the same thing then uh, quick comment to Philip's uh, tight script idea. I could see that if I have a certain genre, most probably quite narrative-driven game genre, that kind of approach could work really nicely if you have a small senior team, definitely. But then in many genres and also like, let's say, free-to-play mobile uh, type of thing, I, I don't believe it would work. You need iteration, you need innovation, prototyping, and it's a chaos and it's pivot, pivot, pivot. And, and finally, hopefully you find something that you can launch. And and, and all there is so lot, lot of input from data and audience studies and everything is changing all the time. So tight script will be kind of outdated next day. I think you're, uh, I think you're absolutely correct in that. I have all, I've never worked on a live service game. 
uh, maybe there, there's a reason behind that. You know, <laughs> I don't think that would do well, to be honest. That's not kind of, I would be a fish out of water for sure. So yes, maybe I should kind of uh, specify that I am speaking strictly out of a narratively driven experience that is fairly linear even, like no open world type stuff. Maybe an open section that is like part of it could be open world, but I need to be able to control um, pacing, uh, order in which the beats happen. Um, that way I can make sure that I have a setup and a payoff in that order so I don't get to the payoff before the setup and I'm like, what, what's, what's, what's even going on here? <laughs> you know? So yeah, I you know I I do occasionally also I want to circle back. I dip my toe in the in the TV um, industry still to this day every now and then. Um, but what I'm noticing there is is kind of principally the same thing. In games, we have the publishing type or maybe stockholders um, pushing on getting stuff out quickly so the window narrows every other project. Right. The same goes for you know you know, insert random <laughs> streaming service and they go, here's your money, right? Uh, you have this amount of time. And then the, the, the production pace has risen, you know, significantly. When I started in, in the TV industry, we were shooting maybe six or seven pages per day, right? Uh, right now, my sister is uh, uh, in, in, a, in a TV series playing the lead and they're looking at like 12 13, sometimes even 14 pages a day, which is like harrowing. <laughs> it's just like, oh, we get the blah, 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 done. Next scene, boom. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, it's just, it's the same that we are experiencing in, in the in the game industry. But their shooting is like, uh, we're, we're making a 10 hour series for the season and we have 36 days to shoot it. So, uh, <laughs> get on it. Very scary, but I'm just going to cycle back a little bit. That's two points. Well, I'm glad uh, you mentioned pacing in games. Just a recommendation if you haven't already played it. Red Dead Redemption 2. Amazing on the pacing and chapters through the game. Um, but I'm also glad that, Petri, you mentioned like the evolution of uh, like film and games. Um, you know, if you remember back in the olden days of uh, you know German expressionism in cinema, it's silent. And so they had to kind of think of ways to express emotion. And a lot of that was through like lighting and uh, double exposures. And as film progressed and evolved, you know, like cinemascope uh, and uh, panoramic uh, cameras, you know, it kind of allowed more, you know, uh, elements of a story to be told in a different way. And I think that's definitely how games have kind of evolved. Um, but also, like, identifying the weaknesses and then trying to twist that into a strength and a new way to tell a story. I guess it's kind of a, an impromptu bonus question what your thoughts are on that. It's a big question, I'm sorry. <laughs> and a bit of a loaded one. Anyone? No. Uh, okay. I, you know, I, I would say, I mean, it's, 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 you know, there's, there's always opportunities for narrative, and I think there's, uh, I think that's, that's the thing is that whatever world you're building, you can litter it with, uh, litter is probably the wrong word, but because that's, that's sort of a negative connotation, but. You can you can use all sorts of elements and you can add all sorts of, of different elements to, to to make sure that it's always interesting. And when it's not, I mean, that's actually kind of information as well. Right. I mean, the, the whole idea, you know, and talking about filmmaking and that, but uh, but Hitchcock sort of never wasting a shot. But I, I think in a way in games, you can waste a shot because I don't know, you don't think you can waste a shot because, you know, because it's like there's 
well, traversals, you know, there's, there's things that you can do and there's things that are happening that are part of gameplay, but they don't necessarily have to be, you know, it's not a key or an integral thing. There isn't necessarily always a moment and, you know, maybe I'm wrong. You're, <laughs> you can disagree with me, but I think I'm there shaking, are things. No, I'm shaking my head in just instinctively right now, because like <laughs> wasting a shot where we can hardly afford to make the shot is not great, right? But I guess wasting I the shot is, is different. What wasting is, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you, you gave me an example of something that wouldn't be, um, like a hard hitting emotional moment, right? It would be like, hey, we got to tutorialize movement, mm -hmm. right? But would that then be wasting in your opinion? No, no, no. And I think it's actually sort of a poor choice of words. But that it sort of was I was arguing as well, though. It's like it's not necessarily wasting a shot. It's just there are shots in between that are sort of key parts of, of, of gameplay, right? And they may not be sort of big story elements tied to that, but it is still part of the story. You still get from point A to point B. Right, but yeah, it, I think it, it comes down to like, if everything is tendonite intensity, nothing is, right? Well, exactly, yeah, exactly, yes. It's about finding the value, right? Hmm. What value does it bring? And it may not be obvious, but it may tie into the next value that you're going to see the next time, right? So I would say that even a re what can be perceived as a redundant uh, a shot, maybe, or uh, a feature that may be redundant, may tie in later on, and it may bring that value. It was created for a reason uh, in, in the beginning. It's our job to then make sure that that reason actually gets portrayed and not lost in, in, the, in the tracks. <laughs> I'm sort of going to latch onto that point uh, a little bit. Uh, if anyone's played uh, Battlefield 1, uh, and there's that one scene where there's a, a pigeon, just a, a carrier pigeon, flying across the battlefield in the midst of a game that's a lot about uh, fighting and first person, and then suddenly it's quiet. You're just a, a pigeon flying in the sky. And that's really used to, you know, take control away from the player, but in a way that kind of boosts uh, the storytelling in a way. Uh, I guess that's kind of what I wanted to put across in the uh, the loaded question before a little bit. <laughs> so thank you. That's a 10. Hello, that's uh, a 10. Yeah. That's a 10. We can't have all love shots. <laughs> Sounds to me like I don't remember that shot particularly uh, well, to be honest, but I think that might have been, I mean, one useful thing that it obviously provides is contrast, right? Um, it's a setup, potentially. Uh, that's the way you're describing it right now. That's how I'm how I'm kind of reading it. Um, to kind of echo uh, Ana Laura's point uh, she just made. So, but it's, it, it is, it is, it's an interesting conversation to have. And it, if, if we all just go back and reevaluate how much value each of our things that we put in is bringing, we might even be able to cut a few by combining with other things and then optimize our tutorializing or storytelling or whatever that might be. And, and, I, I guess that's the negotiations that, that kind of happens on a daily for us <laughs> as everything is happening at the same time. We're creating and editing constantly. Definitely, because there's also a value in, because one one way is to looking at it, oh, we always done it like this, right? This is how uh, the industry is doing it. We have always done it like this in uh, as a team, right? But is it actually bringing the value that we want to create? Is it giving us something in return or should we maybe look into maybe cutting it out? We have done that a ton in our uh, department uh, in gaming, and especially also in the in the 
in the animation department where we before, before we had three animation on one character but why what what was the reason for it well nobody couldn't really <clears throat> like it was content yeah but what value does it bring how about we take away three uh, three of them and only bring one <clears throat> sorry only bring one animation out but make that solid make that good make that perfect or as close to perfect that we can so it's a matter of seeing where is the production best valued, but also where is the money best valued and the time. Because what is most important when you do games is time. The time yeah. is what is most valuable for us. So it's definitely, and I think it's important for us to to check ourselves randomly or the, once in a while, like, are we doing the right thing? Are we bringing value to our viewers? Are we bringing value to our team as well? Are we bringing value to ourselves as well? And the creative work that we bring. Yeah, and also what 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 is it that brings value, right? We had a full hour and some change um, that we cut at the end of it takes two. Uh, it's a whole level, right? And it was unique gameplay, of course, as we have in all our levels. Uh, we don't reuse much, uh, if anything. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was one of the things we're like, yeah. I mean, it kind of brings value in terms of like the amount of time you sit down and you play with the game, right? But I felt strongly like narratively, we're kind of taking a left turn here. It's not really kind of consistent with what with the, the game up to that point. Um, there were a few other things that just, ah, it's not clicking, right? Um, so we did, luckily enough, take a breather in the chaos that led up to release and, and uh, decided not to hook it up. It's still technically in the game because it's too dangerous to just remove stuff. So if you are on Steam, you can go and you type in a few dev commands. You can actually play the unfinished <laughs> level in there. Um, yeah, and I felt like we added we added value by removing content. How, how uh, counterproductive that might seem. I, I felt strongly like that was what, we, what was happening. Well, to tie that back to uh, filmmakers, uh, deleting scenes can often uh, lead to a better film sometimes. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Focus. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, I'm just conscious of time. I know your question is the last one, uh, Philip. Uh, so, do you want to give us your question? Right. Uh, so, I just assumed that we would all agree that there is a benefit to hiring <laughs> film industry workers into the game industry. I think one of the challenges for the game industry going forward is just lack of competence right um i think there was a a, a, a branch uh, like an industry magazine that came out a couple of weeks ago that projected that in sweden we would have a twenty-five thousand uh personnel shortage projected in the next decade and we kind of i think we graduate somewhere around 400 students a year uh so that's the thing that needs fixing one of the things that you can do is you know uh higher internationally but all the other studios are facing the same shortage right so we have to branch off into other industries and the film industry is like right there good to go ready to kind of dig their heels in and and um provide um their competence however one of the challenges that i face still face um daily is the lack of technical knowledge that would that require that you need in order to be able to execute something, right? If you put me in front of a workstation and you say, oh, we need to, I don't know, design this thing. I'm like, well, 
shit, ask someone else, right? <laughs> but if you're asking me to like, oh, we need to visually tell this thing, and I, have, I can do that, sure, coding and all that stuff. I have no idea about, right? So my question is, how do we support that talent that comes from the movie industry, film and TV industry, and make the most of them in the gaming industry so that they are more independent? Because we don't want to end up in a situation where we're bringing someone in, but we're taking time off of two other guys to teach that person. I would like to kickstart this one because I find it so interesting because I have gone through this myself as well. And we just recently hired as well. So what we have done is that we have made them own their own task. So this is, this is meant as a bigger thing because when you feel like you own something, you want to do the best, but it also means that you have a responsibility and you have a responsibility to learn and an eager, hopefully you'll get an eager to learn something as massive as a new program. For example, I did not know Unity before I came into gaming industry. Gotta know it now. <laughs> so the, 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 the way how we, we, uh, we toggle that and also with the, our, the animators that we hire in, because we don't hire in uh, gaming animators because we want to focus on something else. So that means that we are lacking. We, we. Uh, we lack the talent when it comes to the, the the technology. So what we do is that we make sure that each person owns their own task. They really they have to feel it deeply uh, in a way that they then can can get joy out of it. They can find the joy of learning something new and learning a new program, learning new processes all over again. Sit down and be in school, you know the whole bloody thing. But as long as they know that they 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 own it. And they can find pride in it as well. That is that is how we are uh, tackling it. And honestly, I think it's working. That's great. If I may say so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you're describing my road into the game industry as well. I was put in charge of a thing and it was like, oh, I got to step up now. Yeah. And I loved it. It was great. Yeah. I, I can continue. So if now some my old colleague from from tv or theater or film would kind of contact me and ask that hey i want to pivot my career to games first of all i would i would ask that do you play games what's really your passion so i would say that if you don't have such a passion that you want to play games you are interested in games you are interested in game development i would say that don't bother this is a passion industry. You won't survive with that passion. So that would be the first step. Then I would think that, hey, what's a suitable role for you? So if you come from creative background from, from those industries, most probably programmer is not the the kind of the best fit for you. Sure, if you want to do that, perhaps then a, a proper school is is then needed first. But then if we go more towards perhaps production, producer, game design, yes, I think there is something that, hey, you have passion, you want to learn this new craft. There is a lot of ways to start educating yourself, start making prototyping, uh, networking with other people in the games and trying to get the first, first position. So I believe it's totally doable. And when you enter the door, 
you have in your background all that knowledge from from your earlier life and you can then leverage that and most probably you'll have a very awesome and fast career okay so Petri, i love that you said that because i just had a conversation with one of our juniors not that long ago where she said something kind of like it where it was if if you don't play games why are you working at a gaming company i don't play games why am i working at a gaming company well because i bring something else to the table i bring a ton of uh, creativity that the gaming needs for it to bring to the next level so if we have i i truly believe that if we have a, a company where people only play games and we don't get talents from other places the game will die because we need to have we need to not be exactly we need to not be tunnel vision we need to expand and it's the same thing when you go in in how, how we move forward uh, as people as well uh, in, in in other fields is that we get other people's perspective in and see can we do this better? Is there a better way of doing it? The way that I think that I also can bring into to to the gaming scene is that I am a noob. So therefore, I am going to do all the, the wrong things, but you're going to learn from it because how are you else going to bring new players to the game if you can't bring someone like me into the game as well? So yeah, we, we do need passionate people, yes, but I truly believe that we we need passionate people in other fields than gaming also that was just my two cents <laughs> no, absolutely I, I love that uh sort of like uh, if you see someone who's uh come from a different industry bring them into the studio let the story of that studio develop and bloom that's the thing yeah yeah but do that under extreme time pressure and <laughs> it's just <laughs> Yeah, and this, and I think that's the trouble. And, and I, I don't know that there is a, an easy answer, unfortunately. And I don't. That's probably why you posted to all of us because it's just like, how could you do that? How could we do this? You know. And I'm somebody who is learning the technology, and I feel somewhat overwhelmed. I'm getting more and more comfortable with it every day, but it is still quite overwhelming. And I don't. I, you know, I think again, it, it, it probably starts. Um, you know, in, in those moments that, you know, Petri's friends were just like, hey, oh, you want to join this industry? Um, here's a couple things that, that are going to give you an advantage. It's like, yeah, learn, learn a game engine, uh, uh, you know, learn about all the tools, uh, learn about all the software that are sort of common uh, to to all studios. Um, I think that would have helped me significantly. <laughs> and still would actually, and I should still sort of be pursuing that. Unfortunately, I don't have the time and energy or as much as I'd like to sort of do that. But I think that's what, what needs to be done is that people need to be encouraged. I also find the other thing, I mean, I kind of put off joining the game industry because uh, I had sort of a, a, a strange sort of um, um, perspective on it. You know, I'm, I should say it. Well, I assume, well, okay, we'll see. I'll say the obvious. I should never was kind of nerdy. Yes, exactly. Right. It was always sort of assumed that it was sort of nerdy. It was for nerds. And the second thing was um, that it was, you know, for people younger than me. I'm in my mid 40s now. And, you know, again, I've only really been been in and around it for 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 the last five years. And I sort of thought this is a young person's game. Uh, and and I kind of just 
put it off, put it off, put it off, you know, thought about going, going back to school or doing night school and sort of doing all those things in my thirties and never did. <laughs> so I think it's a huge commitment too, right? It is a huge commitment. Right. And, and, uh, and I would have been, but again, there, there are options out there. And again, it's just to learn, learn unity, uh, learn unreal, whatever it is, but, but there are plenty of options and maybe there weren't as many options 15 years ago when I sort of thought, huh, that's, that seems interesting to me. Um, but I think again, it's when we, we are sort of meeting people who may have some interest, it's, it's again, sort of passing on, uh, that information and saying, Hey, this'll, this'll give you a leg up. First off, there's lots of opportunities <laughs> and the pay's pretty, pretty all right compared to thing. And it's probably more consistent than film and TV, which sort of very much goes through cycles. Maybe we're going through a down cycle right now in the game gaming world. We're still not, not certain, but, um, but yeah, just sort of put, point out the positives and then point out what steps you can take uh, that will ultimately potentially help you, Philip, as someone who's hiring uh, when they eventually sort of knock on your door and say, hey, look, I know this now and I know this and I know this. Yeah, I've tried to hire multiple times from the film industry. There, there's like a handful of people here. One of our, like our lead producer, he's, he's a film worker, right? Uh, we have a few animators as well. And myself, Joseph, he's the great creative director and owner uh, of Hayslight. He's a film director. You know that's how he started in this in this uh, in this world. But say what you will about film workers or TV workers, they're incredibly hardworking people. I think that's fair to say about. I don't, I don't think I've met many lazy film workers. Like you can't be lazy and stand on set at 4 a.m. with a rain rig and just be like ah, <laughs> like there's no. There's no space for that. So uh, taking that tenacity and that work ethic into the gaming industry is beneficial. Like, it just has to be. <laughs> I'm so glad you said 4 a.m. <laughs> Shifts start early and they end late every day. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And pulling 14-hour days is commonplace in the film industry. Like, especially if you work with commercial. Like, if you make commercials, ooh. Yeah. That's, they, not, that's good. good. That's good. That's also a big difference between between these industries that most probably television, film, it's project-based. You are freelancer, and if you don't work hard, you don't have the next gig. <laughs> and it's so kind of interesting that gaming went to the permanent studio system, which used to be also in the movie 50 years ago, or... or, or and. And I have been many times thinking that why movies kind of broke the studio system and went to this freelance project to project hop because as the employee, you don't love that most probably, but it makes sense business-wise there. And now on games, we don't, we can't go there because we are competing those few people. And if we go to the product project base, we will lose the valuable talent and there's no way to keep those so that's interesting i have to hold my tongue here working with the uh, contractors and freelancers in the gaming industry <laughs> i mean i mean if there's a will there's a way but i that's the thing right we if we if we magically flood the market with a hundred thousand game developers highly talented very technical then yeah we could probably get away with this uh, move into a freelance based and then then you could have a much wider ramping in and ramping out of any given project right 
but it would be at the expense of the developers. Right. And, and that's... Yeah, but yeah. And I also suspect that because kind of movie, how we do movie and what's the kind of structure of the movie at the production, uh, kind of the more kind of uh, always the same process to create a movie, you need a script and then blah, blah, blah. So it allows that it's easy to jump as a professional from project to project and you, you know what's ahead. You have a script that then you start your uh, work depending on your role. But if I compare to the games, they they are so different sized, different technologies, different everything. So there's no unified kind of way to create a game. So even the roles, even though that there is a same title for a role, it might mean totally different thing in different studio and in different projects. So there's no easy way to go that system. That's very true. We need a we need a union to standardize titles. I mean, yes, be absolutely. I would love to see that because I think I have 16 titles at this point and none of them make sense. <laughs> right. It makes my job so hard trying to reach out to the right person when like creative director can mean like seven different things yes. depending on the studio. Yep. I don't know why, why that, like, we just need to come together, sing Kumbaya for a couple of hours and just sit down and decide like, what is one of these, what does the producer do? Like, just define that role and just have that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if, you, if uh, you're, you're listening at home and you see this post on LinkedIn, comment what your role means so we can all find out. <laughs> Don't swap me with your comments now. <laughs> I would like to add one thing, and that is that I find it really interesting because we also have problems when we want to hire, right? Nobody knows who we are, even though that we have the most download the game in the world. They have no idea who we are, who Cyber is. But what I really like is what the initiative that the, the company has taken. They they know that it's it's hard to, since we are not a AAA game, of course, we are a mobile game uh, and we, we cater to, to dumb phones more than, than the high-end phones. Well, what can we then do to, to bring in people? And that is for, we are 150 people in here and we are around 35 nationalities. So that it means that we, we then cater to a different audience of come in here and uh, especially if you're from abroad and we cater more to, we have uh, really good benefits over here instead. So, so we try to cater to that end instead. But that, and that also, I find it a really brilliant strategy because that also gives you really solid workers as well people when first you come in you stay <laughs> and i find that really really interesting and what i find really interesting is to see how each company especially the smaller companies how do they bring in new talent because they need to bring in uh, they need to cater for something different all of them and i find that very interesting how they do that because when it comes to for example i worked with npc it was very easy just the day right? You wanted to get into MPC because they had Marvel, they had Disney, they had uh, Fox, but that was the thing. All of these titles, right? And that they, they, they didn't necessarily treat you the best <laughs> all the times, right? So so in that sense, the smaller companies definitely have something uh, stronger to go with them, but they need to find what's their niche. What is it that they can bring to the table that is different from their AAA gaming? Very interesting. I really do want to give you more a uh, chance to talk about this, Laura. 
but I am just conscious a bit of time and we do have a future pod- podcasts in the pipeline to discuss that exact topic about the challenges of recruitment uh, in general. Um, so I will definitely have a speak to you after the podcast as well, uh, <laughs> Philip, that looks like you interest you as well. Um, but there's been some brilliant points that have been made today, you know, about saying it's okay uh, to make your make sure your assets are okay. And it's sometimes, you know, all right, say they're perfect and so let's make it perfect, you know. Uh, and it's also like setting a baseline. Uh, but I just wanted to kind of get anyone's final thoughts or any comments they wanted to make uh, before the end. Anyone? Well, this has been fascinating and, and so pleased to have had this opportunity to talk with you. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having, having us on, Petra. And you, Anna-Law. And Ted and Philip. It's been great. I am very happy to to hear that uh, all of us think that stories are important and that's the driver for it. And I'm very, very pleased to hear that. So uh, that also means that I feel that we are going in the right direction uh, for us. Uh, so, yeah, I was very pleased and very happy to hear that. Thank you, guys. We're in the right direction if we get more filmmakers in. <laughs> Absolutely. With technical experience. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But uh, if you'd like to get involved in an upcoming episode of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, then reach out to me on LinkedIn or via email at the very long email of adam.miller-betridge at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.